Chapter Nine of Opening a Chestnut Burr by Edward P. Rowe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Chapter Nine. Miss Walton recommends a hobby. To Gregory's surprise, he waked and then admitted to himself that, contrary to his expectation and purpose, he had been asleep. His last remembered consciousness was that of sweet low music. How long ago was that? he looked at his watch it was nearly two and he must have slept several hours he glanced around and saw that he was alone but the fire still blazed on the hearth and the afghan enfolded him with its genial warmth as before and it seemed that although by himself he was still cared for she is a witch he muttered her spells are no jokes but i will investigate her case like an old-time salem inquisitor with more than Yankee curiosity, which was at the bottom of their superstitious questionings, I will pry into her power, but she will find that she has a wary skeptic to convince. I have seen too many saints and sinners to be again deceived by fair seeming. A broad ray of sunlight shot across the room. By my soul, it's clearing off. Is this her work also? Has she swept away the clouds with her broomstick? And there goes the dinner-bell, too and he went to his room two steps at a time, as he had done when a boy. Annie, coming out of the sitting-room at that moment, smiled and said, He must be better. At the table, she asked, How do you find yourself now? Much given to appetite. Then, turning to Mr. Walton, he said abruptly, Do you believe in witchcraft? Well, no, sir, said Mr. Walton, a little taken aback. I do, continued he emphatically. When and where have you had experience of the black art? this morning and in your house sir you seem none the worse for it said his host smiling indeed i have not felt so well in months your larder will suffer if i am practised upon any more well of all modern and prosaic results of witchery this exceeds said annie laughing since only a good appetite comes of it it yet remains to see whether this is the only result replied gregory what possessed the old puritans to persecute the salem witches is a mystery to me if their experience was anything like mine you must remember that the question of what was agreeable or otherwise scarcely entered into a puritan's motives i am not so sure of that he answered quickly it has ever seemed to me that the good people of other days went into persecution with a zeal that abstract right can hardly account for people will have their excitements and a good rousing persecution used to stir things like the burning of chicago or a presidential election in our day granting said annie the bigotry and cruelty of the persecutor and these must be mainly charged to the age still you must admit that among them were earnest men who did from good motives what appears very wrong to us what seemed to them evil and destructive principles were embodied in men and women and they meant to destroy the evil through the suffering and death of these poor creatures and then consider the simplicity and ease of the persecutor's method continued gregory mockingly a man's head has become full of supposed doctrinal errors to refute and banish these would require much study and argument on the part of the opponent it was so much easier to take an obstinate heretic's head off than to argue with him i think it was the simplicity of the persecutor's method that kept it in favor so long but it never convinced any one said annie and the man killed merely goes into another world of the same opinion still and there probably learns poor fellow that both were wrong and that he had better had been content with good dinners and a quiet life and let theology alone the world would move but slowly if all men were content with good dinners and a quiet life said annie satirically but you have not answered my question could not good earnest men have been very cruel believing that everything depended on their uprooting some evil of their day 
to tell the truth miss walton he replied a little nettled i have no sympathy with that style of men to me they are very repulsive and ridiculous they remind me of the breathless perspiring politicians of our time who buttonhole you and assert that the world will come to an end unless john smith is elected to me the desperate earnestness of people who imagine it their mission to set the world right is excessively tiresome for one man or a thousand to proclaim that they speak for god and embody truth and that the race should listen and obey is the absurdity of arrogance if we were to agree with you should we not have to say that the prophets should have kept their visions to themselves and that luther should have remained in his cell and columbus have coasted along shore and not insisted on what was to all the world an absurdity come miss walton said gregory with a vexed laugh as they rose from the table you are a witch i am willing to argue with flesh and blood but i would rather hear you sing still since you have swept away these clouds so i can have my ramble i will forgive you for unhorsing me in our recent tilt if you would mount some good honest hobby and ride it hard i doubt whether any one could unhorse you she replied in a low tone as she accompanied him to the parlor men with hobbies are my detestation miss walton nevertheless they are the true knights errant of our age of course it depends upon what kind of hobbies they ride or whether they can manage their steeds miss walton your figure suggests a half-idiot with a narrow forehead and one idea banging back and forth on a wooden horse but making no progress in other words a fussy bustling man who can do and talk but one thing your understanding of the popular phrase is narrow and literal and while it may have such a meaning it can also have a very different one suppose that instead of looking with languid eyes alike upon all things a man finds some question of vital import or a pursuit that promises good to himself and to others and that enlists his interest he comes at last to give it his best energies and thought the whole current of his life is setting in that direction of course he must ever be under the restraints of good sense and refinement a man's life without a hobby is a weak and wavering line of battle indefinitely long one's life with a hobby is a concentrated charge there was in miss walton's face and manner as she uttered these words that which caused him to regard her with involuntary admiration suddenly he asked have you a hobby her manner changed instantly and with an arch look she said if you detest a man with a hobby what a monster a woman with one would be in your eyes i have admitted that you are a witch oh i am a monster already and so have no character to lose but where is your penetration if a man with a hobby is idiotic narrow-browed fussy and bustling excessively obtrusive with his one idea a woman must be like him with all these things exaggerated has it not occurred to you that i have a hobby of the most wooden and clumsy order but that was my idea of a hobby you have spiritualized my wooden block into a pegasus the symbol of inspiration have you such a hobby i have what is it she went out of the room saying smilingly over her shoulder you must find that out for yourself End of chapter 9